In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of out of regard for. This conversation was originally recorded in July of 2021. We want to remind you, Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. Yeah, so um, th- this this uh, sermon kind of, it, it struck me, and I, and I want to talk about a couple of things. But, but before I get there, I want to say something, and I'm, I'm going to risk being a little vulnerable with you. Um, most sermons don't do much for me. I, I've been in church my whole life. I've been a preacher for 40-something years. There's there's rarely a text that I haven't preached, and most preaching seems to be the same stuff over and over again, the same. And and so when when something strikes me, it it means that uh, that the the preacher came at the text from a little different angle and caught my attention. And that's what I love about this. And and I, I want to acknowledge, uh, since most all of you are women, I want to say most of the, the preachers that get my attention these days are women uh, for whatever reason. And uh, and lately that's been the case. But this really, uh, it just grabbed my attention. I loved what she did with the story of John the Baptist and uh, and Herod and, uh, and Herod's uh, affair and wife and stepdaughter and the whole nine yards. Uh, if you're not familiar with Natalie Bowles Weber, I know many of you are, but if you're not, uh, she's blunt and bold and uh, uses language that maybe you don't use. And that's that's just part of who she is. Uh, so I hope that doesn't uh, that doesn't offend you too badly uh, that you that you quit listening. Uh, here's what struck me out of this. What struck me out of this was Herod, the king. So the king of Galilee, he really wasn't a king. He was the tetrarch, which means he was the kind of the governor of Galilee, which is which is around the Sea of Galilee and to the north. Uh, that was his territory. But he was a powerful ruler representative of Rome. So so here's a powerful leader. And he throws a party for himself for his birthday. And he brings in all the other powerful leaders and and they are having a great time. And the implication is that they drink too much. And so he's a little tipsy and uh, and his stepdaughter. Salome comes in and begins to dance. And one of the things that I picked up in this article that I'd never thought about before was how old Salome was. And I mean, the the implication is that she may not have been that old, uh, but but it really pleased Herod and all the other people. And in their tipsiness, Herod made a vow to use faith walking language that. Uh, that she could have whatever she wanted. 
And evidently she was young enough to still be influenced by her mother a lot. So she ran to mom and mom hated John the Baptist because John the Baptist had called her and Herod out for having an affair and then for Herod dumping his first wife and marrying her. And, and I can just imagine. So can you imagine? So her anxiety got stirred up. She got triggered because, oh my gosh, what if I lose this new prestige and power that I have of being Herod's wife? I mean, I can just imagine that. Uh, and anyway, the, 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 the point that, that stood out as it was intended to be in this is that Herod beheaded John the Baptist because of a vow that he had made while he was half drunk. And then he was afraid to change it because he was afraid of what everybody was going to think. So he had a man beheaded because he was anxious about what are people going to think if I don't do what I just gave a vow that I would do. Uh, and, and so it's this whole idea of how often do we do things because of what other people think. And, uh, and I guess it hit me because, because I resemble that remark. You know, I resemble that quite a bit. And, and then she went on to tie it into the story of Jesus sending the 70, which in Mark is connected to the story of John the Baptist. And uh, I love what she did with the, with the idea because, and I love it because I agree with it. Uh, you know, don't we always do that? But I love what she did with, uh, okay, and when you go to a, a city or a community and they don't receive you and they don't welcome your message. And by the way, if you look at the other gospels, the message was the message of peace, the message of uh, shalom uh, and shalomness and wholeness. And if people don't embrace wholeness and don't embrace peace, then dust the, the, the sand off your shoes and move on. And in my heritage, religious heritage, which was ultra conservative, that was presented as, you know, you kind of shaking your feet, people at them and say, well, you can go to hell if you want to, uh, because you just, you know, it was kind of this, this really uh, obnoxious, okay, you won't receive the gospel of Jesus. And so you're condemned to hell. And and Nadia brought up this idea that uh, that what Jesus was really saying was, you don't need to worry about pe whether people receive the message or not. Just go do what I ask you to do. Just go be wholeness restorers and uh, and and let whatever happens happens. And uh, and if people don't receive you, be differentiated and just say okay. They, they get to say no. I, I had a pastor ask me this week in a, in a faith walking group. He said, uh, because, and because he had come to this conclusion, he said, I, I've come to the conclusion, I don't believe Jesus was ever mad at anybody who didn't embrace him. He just said, okay. It, it, you know, I, I've got life and, and I've got wholeness and I've got a better way and I've got abundance. And if you want it, here it is. But if you don't want it, uh, you, you don't have to have it. And, and so it's this idea that we go out and we and we live our lives and we and we share the good news of the kingdom. And we don't worry about what the results are and we don't get mad 
at people who don't want what we're selling or what we're offering or or what we're talking about. I mean, all of that uh, really, really stood out. And then her final comment that uh, that what all this is called is freedom. The, the freedom to get freed up from meeting the expectations of other people. And for me, that's really powerful. And, and so I had this on my mind. And uh, yesterday during my walk, uh, that's when I do my, my own reflection and contemplation. I, I came to a really clear, uh, really deep and really troubling thought. And, and here's, what I, here's what I realized yesterday. I've spent almost my entire life, adult life, almost my entire adult life, fighting who I am. And, and yeah, and that's all. So that's what got stirred up for me as I read this and, and studied it. And, um, and I want that to be helpful to you. Uh, because I'm, I'm absolutely convinced God created every one of us to be uniquely us. And, and when you find who you really are, you are enough. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to be more than you are. Now, I, I always say I want to be all that I am. And I do. So I, I want to grow into all that I am, but I want to give up needing to be more than I am. Or, or another way to say it for me, and this is the challenge, being different than I am. Okay, this is who you are. This is the energy you have. This is the, the capacities that you have. This is the interest that you have. These are the things that you do really well. Here's this long list of things you don't do really well. And all of that is okay. And it's okay to just be me. I think that's true. I want to believe that's true. And I want you to believe it's true too. So what do you think? That stir up anything for you that you'd like to talk about? I struggle with that every single day. The first thought in my mind I've done differently this week is, is, is just, you know, thank the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. And, but, but instantly I go into production. Oh, well, I need to take care of this, this, and this, I need to do this. And at the end of the day, I'm gauging, what did I accomplish? And then start beating myself up for not accomplishing when in fact, maybe I did accomplish something really well, Instead of doing multiple, I have a habit of doing multiple things at one time, mm -hmm. and then it makes me inefficient in other areas, you know, some of the areas. Right. And so yesterday, me and Cody taking a drive, actually, we got lost. I was trying to get to a place and got lost, and it took us forever to get, we were gone for hours. But I obviously needed that, because just getting on the road and not being home to take care of something or work on even schoolwork mm -hmm. was something I needed to do. And mm -hmm. it, it, it was like refreshing. I was in yeah. a good mood. My husband came home. He's like, you're in a good mood. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> because yeah. I'm the only one that beats myself up over that. Yeah. And I'm constantly saying you need to continue until your last breath, you know? Yeah. And I, I think it ties into what we talked about last week, Brenda, and, and the idea that our worth is tied to our productivity rather than to just to our being. Um, 
I, I want to encourage you, if you'd let me speak into your life a little, to, to find some small way during the day to, to just be and just say, okay, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be during this time frame and enjoy being. What do you think? Would you take that on? Oh, absolutely. I've kind of been trying to do that, mm -hmm. sort of, like whether you know, like my little <laughs> hobbies of painting or singing or something. But, mm -hmm. I, but I did find it very difficult when at first when the power went out here and just I was sitting there going, what's wrong with you? Why can't you sit still? Why can't mm -hmm. you just enjoy this little breeze that's coming through mm -hmm. here? I mean, mm -hmm. I couldn't even shut myself up long enough to relax. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely I hear practice that. Thank you, Brenda. And what I mean by fighting who I am is um, I think I need to be more. I think I, I need to have different talents and different abilities. I, I think I'm not enough. I think that, uh, uh, boy, if I'm, if I'm really going to be good at whatever. Uh, and, and so it's this constant tension of being like, like Herod was and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm more concerned with what other people say about me. And, and maybe I would even say it this way. I'm more concerned about let, allowing others to define who I am than I am just showing up and saying, you know what, I'm going to be comfortable in my own skin. Now, for probably the last four or five years, I, I have been growing in, in this area. And I'm getting better and better and better. But, but for me to, to, to even say out loud, it's embarrassing to say out loud that that's true. But it's true of me. I've spent almost my entire adult life fighting who I am. And I want to learn to live into who I am. And in that part in the, in the handout, if you read it, uh, of, of Nadia's sermon, um, she talks about we already have everything we need and God's already placed anything. And we don't need to defend it uh, or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure completely what she means there, but, but here's, here's what I think she might mean. I think she might mean God created you to be uniquely you, and you don't have to defend that. You, you don't have to get anxious about that. You don't have to have your defenses up to defend who God created you to be. And the more we live into who God created us to be, the more freedom and fulfillment we find. And that, that in actuality, that when we're worried about what others think of us, we're enslaved to that and not liberated in the way that Jesus came to liberate us. And can you talk to something last night too, or this morning that said, um, you know, that to be the very, I think what I heard was to be the best version of who you really are, because mm -hmm. we're all unique. And I, I was coaching someone last night, we were doing the vows um, session in, mm -hmm. in uh, module one. And she, she said, I always thought that examining that part of myself was self-indulgent. Mm. And I said, say more about that. You mm -hmm. know, like, um, mm -hmm. I, that's what God intends you to do. That mm -hmm. the more you get self-discovery, the more you can find out who he's created you to be. Right. And it's enough. And you are uniquely enough. Yeah. Yeah. I can show you a picture. 
Um, I don't know if you can see it or not, but that's me and Nadia and Rachel Held Evans. Yeah, cool. <laughs> nice. Now you're bragging, aren't you? I got to meet <laughs> I, I got to meet Nadia and she was signing books. And Rachel was signing books right next to her. And she would sign a book and she'd go, thank you. And then she'd go, thank you. And Rachel was going, oh, and her line was like long, long, long. And I, I kind of got a glimpse of Nadia and I said, you really hate this, don't you? And she said, oh God, yes. You know, she's <laughs> so funny. And uh, yes, she's very irreverent in her uh, language for sure. But, um, but she also has a podcast. I'm gonna shamelessly plug her podcast that's mm -hmm. called The Confessional. Mm -hmm. And um, people call in and tell her things. And then she very graciously, wow, uh, offers forgiveness. I really recommend that. But um, yeah, it, she's, she's a unique human being, that's for sure. And I think she's spot on here that we don't have to give up who we are um, because that's exactly who God created you to be. And the mm -hmm. more you dis discover who that person is, the more it honors God. Right. And there's so many lies that we we were either told or we picked up on in our first formation that get in the way of that. Uh, like this person, uh, and like I think last week somebody brought up that oh it feels prideful to talk about what I'm good at. Uh, no, no, God. I mean, you are you are one of God's beautiful creations. And, and I think when I talk about, hey, this is what I believe God has uniquely gifted me to, to do, I'm, I'm glorifying God in that because God has given me that. Leslie, I saw you had unmuted. Oh, I was going to, I'm kind of thinking, I mean, I have never been a pastor, obviously, but I'm thinking from your perspective, um, but even just people, you know, those of us that go to church, it's, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's part of culture in general, but I think it's it's something you wrestle with in church culture is comparing yourself. You know, like if because I'm saying on praise team, it's like, oh well, that person seems better than me, you know, or this and that, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, and I I don't. Isn't there a verse that says don't? Isn't there a verse talking about comparing? Like, don't compare yourself to others. But that's kind of anyway that. That's what that made me think of is uh, mm -hmm. the comparison thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it is yeah. really bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't recall that verse. Uh, it's probably there, but, uh, but, it, but it ought to be a verse. Yeah. We can, we can maybe, maybe in, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, we'll add that to the text, right? Do not, thou shalt not compare thyself with another person. John, who are you comparing yourself to? Well, I, uh, my best self. <laughs> Amen, brother. I, man, that John, I'm telling you, he's getting module one. He's getting module yeah. one. Yeah. Um, just a, more a, a question, really. Um, uh, what uh, influence do you think that educators have um, as the have influence over our children. For example, um, I remember picking this up um, very, very, uh, when, I, when I, you know, you read all the books about kids and all this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes you hear um, people in the streets saying, you stupid boy, you stupid child, mm -hmm. etc." Mm -hmm. um, that really 
fires me up, really annoys mm-hmm. me. And I, I can mm-hmm. say that I have never called my son um, stupid. He may do stupid. We may, we all may do stupid things, mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. ourselves as individuals are not stupid. And mm-hmm. as, a, as we say, in the first formation, when we are being told these negative things mm-hmm. by perhaps by parents, by family, and particularly by educators, mm-hmm. um, that can ha- have a devastating effect on our lives. And I'm just wondering how one would and un- how one would unpick that, um, particularly if the child is coming home, uh, my boy's an adult now, so it doesn't absolutely affair. How one, uh, if a child has been, oh, mommy, I can't do this and I can't do that, and the child is coming home, or an individual, or perhaps uh, a manager at work mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Um, saying negative things, how would one respond and how one could unpick that? Not so much a question for myself, but just in the general context of what we're talking about. Yeah, uh, great points, John. Uh, So I don't know that there's a simple, easy answer to your question, other than the awareness that, yeah, that's part of our first formation. Educators, by the way, pastors, Sunday school teachers, pastors and Sunday school teachers, shame too, right? So so it's recognizing, I think, that that shaming others is is considered normal in our culture. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, so, so I don't want to shame. For me, there, there is this, I want to say balance, but it's not really balance uh, of, I, I want to empower and encourage and, and, and help people get freed up to be themselves, including my children, including little ones. And, and I, I want to do that with, without over-functioning for them and, mm-hmm. take, and taking care of them because mm-hmm. they still are responsible for themselves. Yeah, and, yeah. So, and so the, holding both those ideas in tension mm-hmm. for me is good parenting. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I want to help my child become responsible and own their experience. And when they have bad experience, learn to deal with that experience in healthy ways and they're going to need a teacher to help them and and i as a parent that's my role while also i am encouraging and affirming and not shaming of them mm-hmm. uh, but i so i think if we leave either of those out we go to an extreme so i know some parents who encourage 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 that's all they do and then they baby their children mm-hmm. And, and, and their kids are never responsible. And then others who are responsible, responsible, responsible to the degree that they shame. Uh, and so for me, those two things are, uh, I hold intention together. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that helps or not. Yeah, that's, that helps. And I think particularly with adult children, uh, like my son, um, uh, I guess we, we all have, some of us here have adult children in allowing them the freedom um, to make their own mistakes um, even though you may mm-hmm. have a fair inkling of what's waiting down the road for them. Sure. But because at that point, John, they are adults mm. and they, and they get to make those mistakes. E- even though we may think, yeah, 
you know what? Yeah, I I can see. I've been down the road further than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 but quite. <laughs> but you know what? They are an adult, and they get to make their own choices. Yeah, 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 yeah. Helpful. Yeah, so, thanks. So, so John, that's self differentiation. That's module four. Just wait. Right, We're going to get there. there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I've hooked in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you for that, John. Courtney. Uh, yeah. So I think this is this has been really good and really helpful, and I think kind of just puts a different perspective on like, yeah, what really is important. Um, and I think sometimes I feel like, you know, if I'm frustrated with somebody or whatever, that you know, kind of, I never really thought about that perspective, like holding on to that is really like not worth it. Like that it does sort of like the idea of poison or whatnot. Really holding on to that stuff is um like that you're kind of trading away what you, what you actually been gifted to do or what or who God's called you to be etc because you're wasting all your time kind of holding on to that stuff so I think yeah it was really kind of it was really nice to to read Nadia's sermon and, and hear that perspective I thought um and then too like just this whole idea of just trying to be or whatnot I think Deborah had Deborah had posted a Mary Oliver poem um, I think last week that was like the really spoke to me about like being slow and still and so then I started exploring Mary Oliver poems and and found this particular poem of hers it's called foolishness no it's not but it talks about the fact that she spends all day trying to count the leaves on a single tree to do this she has to climb branch by branch and write down the numbers on the little book and like <laughs> that was just the idea of like I think in in our like ideas and the way that we think about things and even be productive and having like finding our worth and our value and all this stuff that it's just so easy to get wrapped up in like doing things and it's like how fruitless is it to, to count leaves on a tree like mm-hmm. like literally nothing is added to any sort of productivity of keeping the world moving but for me like this struck me so strongly as like I want to do that so badly like just because just to be able to to step away and and look at creation. I think I'm used to looking at creation and seeing like a mountain scene and being like, oh, wow, that's beautiful. But to sit in like in the details of a tree and count leaves that you're just gonna lose track of. And I just I just thought it was a really great picture of what slowing or what Sabbath or what being could really, really look like in and being more appreciative of I guess surroundings and 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 whatnot. And I just, yeah, I just wanted to share that. Because yeah, it's really, it was really healing and really spoke to me. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Courtney. I don't know why that stirred this thought for me, but um, the idea that um, that sometimes even our even our wounding in our first formation unearth things about us that become part of our gifting. So let me, let me talk about that just for a moment. So, so um, one of the things in my first formation that impacts my, my shame voice, uh, uh, I alluded to it maybe even last week, some, but uh, so one of the things as I look on my first formation, all, all of my wounding came from my father 
And he was so busy and so in a hurry. I, I was his helper from about the time I was nine on. So, so all of my formative experience was, was mainly me and my father working. And as I look back on it, uh, he, he had so many gifts. He could do so many things and he could do them really well. I mean, he could do almost anything with his hands from carpentry to electrical work, to welding, to building things, to inventing things. He was a, I mean, he just did so much. And as I've looked back on my life, one, one of the things that impacted my self-worth was this. And, and here's what my father taught me how to do. He taught me how to be a good helper. He never taught me how to do any of that stuff he could do because he didn't have time. He was so anxious. He didn't have time. He needed a helper. And, and so what he taught me was how to be a good helper. And so, so, so then for a portion of my life, I began to believe this lie about myself. And Ken, all you're ever going to amount to in the world is being a good helper. So you'll never be a leader. You'll never be, you know, the, the person kind of out front that all you're ever going to do in life is just be a good helper to others and help them succeed. But that's all you can, that's all you can do. Um, as I've gained perspective, so understand out of my woundedness, I made that a shaming thing. With perspective, here, here's what I've come to realize. Do you know what I do today? I hand people tools and help them learn how to use them so that their lives get better. I'm nothing but a good helper. And yet, you know what? That's pretty, pretty dadgummed awesome that I get to be a helper. I get to help others. So, so what was a wounding and what was a, what I made a shaming thing is also with perspective and, and I think with God's help, I can embrace now and say, and, and you know what? I think I'm pretty good at it. And I think God's gifted me to do this. And yeah, that's what I am. I'm a helper. I help other people succeed in life and succeed in their walk with Jesus. And, and so I turned a negative into a positive. And for me, uh, that and, and don't ask me how that happened or when it happened or what I did to get there, because I don't know. Uh, but it did happen. And now I embrace that as part of who I am. So somehow I felt compelled to share that today. So there it is. So. Yeah, yeah, a couple of things. Um, I, I know in my experience, my woundings have helped me through the years be empathetic um, with mm -hmm. other people and their sure. sure. I can see that. So I see that as a way that even with those woundings, mm -hmm. um, they the, the Lord uses those um, to to minister to other people. Um, but uh, the thing I was going to say earlier was um, I love all of Nadia's long list of all these things hmm. uh, that we don't really need. 
mm-hmm. this and don't really need that, <laughs> you know. And uh, and those are, you know, so many of those are things that you that I look at and go, oh, I do feel like I need that, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, but that message, which I which really rang true to me, of um, don't really need all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And. and- including the approval of others and, you know, all, all of, all of those things that, um, we tend to really elevate, um, and that freedom is in letting go of those things, mm-hmm. letting go of the need for those things. Yeah. I really yeah. Like yeah. Thank you. So what that, what that stirs up for me is, and sometimes we think we need all that and we think we can't make an impact in the world until we have all that. And so we're waiting. Okay, I'm waiting until I get all these things, until until I until somebody hands me a, a wonderful sense of self-worth. So I'm waiting. Or I'm waiting, you know, for my parents' blessing upon what I do in my life. And I'm waiting. And, uh, and instead, and now, you know what, you really don't need any of that stuff. I was um, reminded of a situation about, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years ago. Um, and I was in a meeting and someone actually called me out and just said, these are the things that I see in you. And we like listed these things that were so encouraging, um, things that I, I did, you know, or was doing. Um, and everybody there got caught up with the all these exciting things that I was capable of doing. Um, but what spoke to me was that um, he said two things that I could that I was unorthodox and original, I think. Um, and it was those things that spoke louder than anything else he said because it mm-hmm. gave me permission to be me. Um, and that it was okay to do things the way I do things, the way God wants me to do things. And yeah. it doesn't matter if that that doesn't look like anybody else is doing it. Um, I, I get to do it the way that, that God has me to do it. Um, and on a good day, when I can hold on to that, like that's, that's so freeing that I simply get to be me um, and enjoy um going through life doing it slightly differently to everybody else mm-hmm. um and that's allowed and i think that's the best bit of advice i would give people don't let other people put you in a box and don't be afraid to to do it differently to do it the way that's in your heart um because i've carried that Mm-hmm. And that goes with me into everything I do. Well, okay, it might not look the same as the next person's doing it, but that's okay because I'm me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what the world needs is you. This is not a fully formed thought, so I apologize in advance. But um, whenever we have these kinds of discussions, I always found, find myself torn between feeling hopeful, you know, that I can still... Oh, goodness, I should not have started talking. (laughs) I can still, you know, um, redeem the the years, so to speak. And and I know it may seem laughable to some that someone who's middle-aged just maybe is worried about this already, but but also, like, I don't feel like I have enough time. And so then my hope becomes, I don't have a fully formed 
vision of what heaven is anymore because I've kind of dismantled, you know, the ways I was taught that it looked like. And for me, I don't know if this is biblical at all, but my hope with the new heavens and the new earth, whatever that looks like, is that it's kind of something here, but that's redeemed and that we get to keep, I mean, on the one hand, we'll be perfect, I, I guess, but I also think that God is going to have us continue to grow because that's integral to to who he is and who he made us to be. And so I have this kind of, I mean, I'm not throwing out the idea that I, that I can make progress now, but I also find myself excited about the possibility that all the good stuff from this can continue forever. And uh, anyway, I would love to hear a, a session on that one day. I don't know, just about um, the new heavens, the new, or, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, just wanted to share that. Mm -hmm. Angela oh sorry no go ahead you hit it you hit it right on the head I know exactly what you were trying to say I'm 55 and I catch myself running a marathon out of breath because I'm thinking I'm running out of time I'm running out of time I might have mm -hmm. 20 years left if or mm -hmm. 10 if I'm lucky to get to either you know do it the right way or not and and, and it's exhaustive when I think about it, because there's this TikTok in my head all the time. And so time wasters to me is, is, is frustrating. You know, it, when I, I, even when I'm thinking about relaxing, I'm thinking, oh, I'm wasting time. And so I'm having to force myself to leave, go out of town, do something. Yeah. And we have to let that go. That's one of the things we need to let go, but how? <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jen. I, I was, I, I'm, I, got it reminded me of our integrity conversation mm -hmm. that that when we're in integrity we live into our intended design mm -hmm. and i i have this image of um i i do a lot of biking and i've got two types of bikes i have a road bike that's made out of carbon that has curved handles and skinny tires and lots of gears and it can go really fast um and it's designed to be ridden on pavement, on smooth surfaces. I also have another bike that I got last year that's very lightweight, but it's huge and it has huge tires and it has shock absorbers on the front and on the back and it has a straight handlebar and it's designed to ride on mountain bike trails. Mm -hmm. Now I can ride my mountain bike down the road and it'll do, it'll work, but it isn't really efficient and likewise, I can ride my road bike on a mountain bike trail, but it might break it and it will be a rough ride. So a lot of the times I think we try to, we don't live into our intended design. We're trying to do things that we think we should be doing instead of just relishing the design that God has created us to, to do um, and find out what that design is. And I do think that our design keeps evolving, Angela, and that we will we will continue to um, grow into the, the kind of bicycle that God created us to be, you know? Um, and, and not all of us are designed to ride mountain bike trails and not all of us are designed to, you know, do the Tour de France, but we mm -hmm. need to decide and, and to dis discover what our design is. And you can only do that with contemplation and you can only do that when you're not running around being really busy. Mm -hmm. And I would add something to what John just said. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> mm -hmm. my, yes, son's a, my son's a cyclist. Mm -hmm. um, 
Angela, back back to you. Um, I think I think we can exegete what the scripture says, but the truth is nobody knows what 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 happens next. We don't know. And and so I'm I'm off the map here, and and I'm I, and and I know you know there's I'm just going to tell you what I hope. Okay, and I realize I'm way off the reservation when I say what I say. Uh, so I am 64, and I feel like I am just now hitting my stride. I really do. I feel like I am. I am just now beginning to be to realize. Okay, you know, this is this is what. So so and guess what? And I think I'm running out of time. So I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say this. This is the out of the edge part. Here's what I hope. I hope there is growth in the new heaven and new new earth. I, I don't want us to be perfect, and just uh, it just sounds boring to me. But here's what I hope. I hope we get to start at whatever level we ended with. But but something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, because I'm going to be seventy, and and I could look back and say, oh, those years I wasted. I'm finally growing, and this is good. But you know, it's taken me seventy years to to get to a better place, and and I'm not there yet, even. So I know that it's growing. But I can look back too and see the good things that happened. Just like you said, you were a good helper. Yeah. I mean, what a blessing. Um, we need to, yeah, yeah. The other, those times that we were growing, or you know, there are things that we're probably ashamed of, or we'd like to like to look at differently. But there are also the good things that made us who we are today and enable us to to be in this place where we can grow. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, uh, a few years ago, I wouldn't have been in this place. Um, so I'm, I'm glad for this. Yeah, good. I like, um, I was listening, uh, sometimes I listen to um, a chap called R.C. Sproul, I think in one of mm -hmm. his uh, throwaway comments, again, perhaps off the reservation, as we say, he said, well, after I've gazed on the, on the face of Jesus for perhaps a million years, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to, I like to spend ten thousand years learning the piano and and uh, concertos and and knowing I'm not going to make a mistake. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was just throwing out that idea of mm -hmm. uh, potential progression or study whatever you want to do and know that Absolutely. what you're doing is right. You know that sort of thing. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think there's probably room for growth. I think uh, Bruce and I were having a conversation at dinner about this. One of uh, the young people in our lives who's really brilliant, really loving, and he's really cultivated how to be a pastoral presence to people. But he made the comment to me on a, on a message about, oh, he was so impressed that somebody in their 50s was dealing with stuff in their lives. <laughs> and, and he said, you know, to some, that would be a real sense of shame because haven't you gotten it worked out yet? But to him, he said, it feels, it looks like it's a crown of glory that we continue doing that. So then Bruce and I, well, I brought up, Bruce is like, I'm not sure you can extrapolate that, but I thought about Caleb and Joshua. When Caleb said, give me that mountain, and he was 80, that mm -hmm. though it's set in a very physical journey, to mm -hmm. me, that means Caleb at 80 will still saying, give yeah. me that hardship, because mm -hmm. I, can, I can do it. Yeah. Not just his physical strength, but his social, emotional, maturity and uh, courage. Yeah, courage was the thing. I could mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. so, anyway, yeah. I thought I'd toss that in. I know Thank we can't you. really
really apply that to scripture, but. Question, I... question uh, that a preacher that I listen to asks is, are your biggest battles ahead of you or behind you? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. I don't know. There could be some big ones ahead. Both. They're both. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think so I think there's mm -hmm. curveballs coming. But we're made and for the we're made for the battle. We're made for it. Yeah, and and we're made for the for the here and now. Uh, I yeah. think yeah. I think the idea is be fully present today. So so I don't have to I don't have to look back on the past with sorrow and regret and I don't have to look with the, into the future with sorrow or with trepidation. You know what? I've got today. Uh, I, I'm not promised the next minute, but but live fully present and show up as fully me. And if I can live fully present and show up as fully me, then then I think that's the place where God wants us to be. All right, let's all pause just for a moment. We're going to work. So the next three minutes are designated only for the most quiet ones to speak. Anybody want to take the opportunity? Now's the time. Ken, I did have one thought that sort of came to me in reading it and in the discussion in sort of leaning in and learning to be who you are. The thing that helped me most was I removed I'm sorry from my vocabulary. Good. Because it just seemed to be something I overused and was always seemed to be using apologizing for me showing up as me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It just brought some awareness mm -hmm. to behavior and mm -hmm. an acceptance that um, just acceptance. It's been helpful. Yeah. Good. I love it, Kimberly. I, I know. So that was something I, I did a lot of. It's something one of my daughters work is working hard on in her own life. Uh, and, and it's this idea that I'm responsible for everything, you know? And so I say, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry that, yeah, no, I'm only responsible for myself. And, and I am sorry at times for things that I goofed up on, but but I, I'm only sorry for those things I'm responsible for. I, I I totally can identify with what you're saying. I love our conversations. Thank you all so much. Ken, I just want to mention this one quick thing. Mm -hmm. I think we, we have 10 fingers, right? Mm -hmm. And if we just take one hand and just look at each finger each finger is different and each finger do what that function is supposed to do mm -hmm. and i think with our life this is what we should think about the, the five fingers and and consider there are, we have the thumb the thumb don't do what the pinky would do and if we just look at that hand and that might help us to think a little mm -hmm. different I want to be like this person. I want to be that. Mm -hmm. God, just, God have us here to do exactly mm -hmm. what he want those five fingers to do. I I hear you, Miss B, and that, that's, that's good. Here, here's what I want to know, though. You know what that, so what does the pinky do? Okay, you have to, well, I don't know exactly. What <laughs> I can tell you. I okay. can tell you. 
Okay. Tell me. Do you know, because I've actually uh, had a cycling accident a couple summers ago and uh, tore ligaments in my pinky. And I learned that it's like 65, 70% of your grip strength is actually in your pinky. Because wow. if, you, if you squeeze your fist, you see how much tighter the pinky rolls up. Wow. Wow. So it is important. Otherwise, everything just falls straight, straight through. Thank you, Courtney, for that lesson. That was awesome. Thank you, Miss B, for that lesson. And we only live a day at a time. Forget yes, about Yes, we do. Yep. Forget about yesterday and forget about tomorrow. We live in mm -hmm. what's going on right now. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Thank you all. Hope you have a good uh, rest of your day, good weekend, and uh, we'll be back together next Friday. For more information about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you, faith walkings exist because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.